Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 19 today. And uh, yeah, it's uh, deja vu all over again. This is an interesting chapter in the way that it seems like we've already like seen all this stuff, uh, but but it, it's it's presented differently. So you've got um, uh, Saul trying to kill David with a spear again, uh, while you know David's trying to like play the music for him. And you've got uh, another story that tells about um, how we get the origin of the phrase. Um, and is Saul among the prophets? But you think to yourself, but hang on, wait a second. Wasn't that because of him prophesying earlier? And so it, it's a, an interesting chapter because it just it just sort of feels, um, well, I don't know. I mean, people talk about this. People sometimes say that they think it's out of place. Um, well, well, we'll have to talk about that. Uh, there's a few things going on. Joining us today, we have returning uh, Pastor Robert Paul. He's pastor and, if I recall correctly, headmaster at Memorial Lutheran Church and School in Houston, Texas. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing fine. Doing fine. Glad to join you again. Yeah, and um, I, I, I am recalling that correctly, right? Um, that you're, you're, you serve as headmaster uh, also, in yep. addition to being pastor there, and you guys started up. Uh, I mean, you guys would have been um, in more than a month already, right? Yes. Yeah. No, we are. We just send out progress reports. We're halfway through the first quarter uh, here on campus, here on campus with our students, which has been really, really nice. It's Johnny Appleseed Day today. Ah. So it's it's a fun, even though COVID makes things weird, it's still a, a fun annual celebration at our school in the midst of all of the other Latin and daily chapel and a, yeah. a good good life here at Memorial. Good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. You mentioning apples makes me think. Um, I can't imagine that there's going to be too much, um, you know, uh, what like bobbing for apples this year um, around no. Halloween. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, right. So things are different. But uh, <clears throat> but yes, it's good to hear how, uh, in many ways, God's blessed us with uh, a lot of the things that that can um, and should still stay the same. Um, but yeah, chapter nineteen here. Speaking of things that are different but stay the same, uh, yeah, right. Like, I mean, there's all these things that kind of seem like they've already been said, but they're kind of happening over. I mean, it's an interesting chapter like that, right? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, certain. I, I don't know if we want to start with the critical view of, <laughs> of chapter nineteen, but yeah, the um, yeah. it it sort of serves to wrap up, at least from Simon's perspective, yeah. um, what the past nine chapters, right? It's been said, was said in chapter 10. And so there's a certain amount of irony here. Um, since chapter 10, uh, Saul continues to show that he's not <laughs> one of the yeah. prophets, that he's rejected the spirit of God. Yeah. Um, and, and David arises as one uh, who, who has the spirit, um, yeah. both of faith and for the purpose of leading Israel. Um, well, and, and uh, I like I like the word irony there because, as we've seen, uh, especially in the last couple of chapters, there is a lot of irony. So um, that there would be some more here would not be unfitting. But uh, before we get too much further, let's uh, go ahead and turn to the text. And as we do so, brother, would you open us up with a prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the text of the Holy Scriptures. We thank you especially today for the word revealed in the book of 1 Samuel. We ask that you guide us by your Spirit, that we may uh, distinguish properly both law and gospel, and know your Son, Jesus, as the chief content of the Scriptures. We ask all of these things in that blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so we'll go ahead and give it a read-through. But anything else that you might add, uh, just by way of introduction here? Well, uh, I think it's important you've covered many, since we're sort of wrapping up a segment, uh, give or take, um, many of the things that you have covered with with everyone in the chapters leading up to this have prepared uh, both the reader who is going all the way through and the hearer um, who is studying the book of 1 Samuel to be used to the idea of Saul's enmity against David. Um, and, and we'll talk again about harmful spirits, um, how God uses them, how they aren't exactly what some may imagine. Um, right. Right, what does it mean when we say there's a harmful spirit of the Lord? All, all sorts of ideas that we've seen before in 1 Samuel. Um, but but it, it's important to remember um when things seem a little weird, the, the scriptures actually are clear, um, yeah. and and that's a good that's a good theme in the midst of Saul trying to kill David because things uh, imagine imagine being one of the servants and watching this happen over and over again. Um, <laughs> it, it does seem very strange yeah. um, that Saul would be so angry with his son-in-law and his son's best friend and the one who who served to redeem Israel from the Philistines. Um, but, but we know from the whole story, um, what happens when, when a man forgets his vocation, when a man rejects, uh, the Holy Spirit, Hmm. when, when a man rejects God, um, that, that this, although is hard to watch, I think the, the tragedy of Saul in first Samuel is kind of difficult to watch, um, but but it serves as an important warning when one misses misses a the point of of the Davidic promise towards the Messiah and b the point of of what it means to be a Christian in this in this particular case right being yeah. a Christian king uh, Old Testament Christian certainly but still uh, the vocations that God gave to Saul yeah or, or for that matter uh, a Christian subject um, and, mm-hmm. and really da- David is really illustrative of that. Um, yes. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I think that the uh, uh, those things you mentioned, some of those threads. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely want to pick those up and, and revisit some of those. And um, and, and for you know, in, in the intro, I guess I was you know mentioning the things that people look at that are the same. There are some very striking differences, though, that I feel like really set us up for the next chapter. Um, mm-hmm. Just I think particularly in the things that are said by the the minor characters like Mikal and Jonathan. The, the things that they mm-hmm. say and do are markedly different from what we've seen so far. Not not like they they've uh that they themselves are acting differently, but we're we're finally getting a chance to see them in action. Um and we'll want to talk about that because there, there there's a we, we saw the word love in chapter eighteen again and again and again. Um, you know, you could just title chapter 18 that we saw yesterday, Everybody Loves David. 
Uh, and that's and that's like what his name means. We haven't actually had a, talk, a chance to really talk about David's uh, name meaning, but people uh, debated that for a while. But the most, I think, recent uh, sort of consensus, it, you know, as much as there is one, is that it means something like beloved. And it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, everybody says um, in, in chapter 18, it's described to love David. And, and now we're going to see, well, this is what love does. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a big point there to be made, but without, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that. Let's go ahead and read through the chapters, chapter 19 here in first Samuel from the top in the English standard version. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan said to David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you, and if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing the lyre. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him that he might kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, If you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. Michal took an image and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with the clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. So Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me thus, and let my enemy go so that he might escape? And Michal answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naioth. And it was told Saul, Behold, David is at Naioth and Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great wall that is in Seku, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, 
there at Nayoth and Ramah. And he went to Nayoth and Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Nayoth and Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, Is Saul also among the prophets? I uh, <laughs> I think irony and also, like, I, I think there's a little bit of comedy in this. Uh, I mean, like, it's just kind of amazing how uh, I can't, I can't even count how many times the whole, like, you know, put the dummy in the bed and, you know, has been used. Like, you think of Ferris Bueller's day off, right? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. before before Bueller did it, <laughs> David, uh, you know, it, and it, it would it's be just... interesting to see <laughs> what what is the earliest yeah, form right. of the trope. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it just, it, it's, it's just, uh, it's just amazing. I mean, and I, and I think just to like how it's like, you know, he keeps sending messengers, um, and then just, they all like just start prophesying along the way until he goes stark raving, uh, prophesying. Right. Um, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of irony and, and, and perhaps, um, some, some humor here. Um, I, I think that, uh, another another facet to to all this that I just think is is interesting is just really uh, like I was saying before just how love um, is put into action here. In the last chapter, we were told that Jonathan and Michal loved David, and here they're showing that uh, because uh, I mean one they're they're just in general uh, like going going to bat for him. Uh, Michal is is even though I mean just downright being deceptive um like against her own father for his own sake i mean i mean it really is a dramatic way that shows that their allegiance lies with david and not with saul mhm yeah well and for a number of reasons i mean certainly god works this for the benefit of the promise since since david is the line from which messiah comes um yeah and and that that's important not to lose sight of um, that. Although they may not all know exactly how Messiah is going to come, they are still part of the story of protecting the line uh, yeah. through through David. And then you, I mean, you have the obliging lie, right? Being being deceptive isn't always sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, taking taking care of David uh, is is of more value than letting Saul kill him. Yeah, um, and and so when when they when she lies to her father, um, it's actually taking care of her neighbor, her husband. Um, right, yeah, uh, and and not uh, sort of breaking the fourth commandment. Instead, um, mm-hmm. it, it it is maintaining his life, which has the higher the higher calling, um, and it actually honors his office as father by not letting him murder her husband since that's not proper to the office that's a that's a that's a really good point that i hadn't even considered that that in some ways um because because you could even um i mean i don't want to jump to jump the gun here but because there's a second lie uh that that uh i I probably should have read it a little bit better it's kind of hard with the translation um but you know he in in verse 17 Saul confronts her and says well why'd you why'd you lie to me like that uh, and Mikal says, mm-hmm. "Well, he said to me, let me go.' Um, you know, 
Like, why should I kill you? I mean, the idea being he threatened to kill me also um, if you don't let me go, right? And, uh, well, that's not true either. And that's just to save her own skin, right? Well, mm-hmm. but like, as you said, I mean, is it, or is it really that? I mean, because Saul has demonstrated, like, like um, I forget what chapter this was in. It was like around like chapter 14 or so, 14, 15, that, that Saul was willing to kill his own son, Jonathan, um, because yep. in, in his eyes, Jonathan had crossed him. And in some ways, like you were just saying, which I think is this really interesting idea that um, she's really honoring her father by steering him away from committing, well, the, the terrible sin of perhaps even killing his own daughter. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, that's, that's a really, I think that had not occurred to me, but I like it. Well, it's not proper. It's not proper to the vocation of being father. Right? Yeah. Right. So, so not only is it, is it taking care of the fifth commandment, but um, from the father, mother side, you're, it is not proper to your vocation to murder your children. No. <laughs> it, no. It, it, isn't, it isn't something that you get to do. So, I mean, your this is a controversial claim honor, these days, but, you. but you're I absolutely know. right. You're absolutely correct. Um, it's it's not it's not proper to the vocation, uh, and and the issue of proper to vocation can sort of underline Saul, yeah. right? You've you've got the issues of sacrifice not proper to his vocation. You have uh, the issue of of his relationship with David. He's not really being king when he's letting David get under his skin uh, in such a way. You've got improper fatherhood with regards to Jonathan and Michal when you're willing to throw your you know, your children under the no. bus just for the sake yeah. of your goals. Um, uh, unfortunately, Saul is the, the poster child for what not to do in as a father, as a king, as an Old Testament Christian, um, to take all of these things into your own hands, even even at the end, right? To jump the gun quite a bit, to take your own life. Um, well, yes. Well, and and then you know, um, going even further ahead, we talked about this a little bit last time. That another layer of irony that that makes this uh, more tragic, to use that word, is that David's mm-hmm. going to end up making many of the same mistakes that Saul is committing right now. So it's not, it's not as if, um, I mean, even at the expense actually of, um, the lives of his own children. I mean, I mean, Mm -hmm. just along those lines, you think about that. I mean, it's, it's even worse with David in some ways. Um, so I I mean, it really is, uh, when you look at the the whole story like that, I mean, I just, there, there is this pattern, right. Of a godly man, um, starts off by serving God and doing good things. Uh, but, there's the sinful nature that, I mean, sure. just, uh, seeps through. Um, well, without getting too uh, too much into that point yet, I, I do want to start at the beginning. It's a good place yes. to start, right? So we'll start at the beginning. We'll get to the end. We'll stop. Um, and, and so, yeah. So back back in verse one. Um, so so Saul speaks to Jonathan and to all his servants and and says, you know, we're we're going to kill David. Um, which maybe is uh, surprising out of the gate. Uh, <laughs> like, why, I don't, like, we might be thinking to ourselves, why is, uh, why why would Saul think that he should just tell everyone this? Um, you, you know, I mean, we, we can see that maybe he has a kind of moment of uh, mania, and he just kind of uh, just throws the spear, right? Um, 
which I, you know, I have to think to myself, like he must've, this must've been the weirdest thing, right? After he does this and he's like, ah, just testing your reflexes. You know, man, I, I knew you were going to dodge it. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how he plays this off for like, uh, like th three or four times or something, but yeah, I mean, like, what, what do you make of how this is like starting out here in chapter 19? Well, I mean, on the one hand, you have vignettes, right? So 19, we we should picture it sort of almost like TV where you see one scene and then you see another scene and then you see another scene. Yeah. Um, uh, but Saul is public. Yeah. Um, Saul's, Saul's desire to kill David is is public. Um, now, whether or not it's, it's right, right. Whether Saul even needs to play it off. Um, the ancient world is not as, uh, politically correct. Um, in any way, uh, Saul, Saul can desire, right. As the King, he can desire people to be dead or alive. Yeah. Um, David doesn't, as a subject, doesn't get to determine those things, even though he's, um, rather, right, most people don't have an anointed subject as the object of their death warrants. Um, mm -hmm. um, but Saul has a lot of authority that no one's going to challenge him on. Think, think about, and now it's quite different, but Nebuchadnezzar right, makes it very clear who he's going to kill and when um, yeah. in Daniel. Um, and, and he's not afraid to say it out loud, and no one says, well, you can't do that. Um, no, that's uh, right. Of course he can. He's, he's the king. Um, well, it may seem and very weird part, to us, but he yeah. can plot those things. That, that's right, and I, and I think that part of it base, just basically gets at the idea of th there does seem to be this like kingly prerogative of executing people for treason, um, because mm -hmm. like all he has to do is say this servant's been unfaithful to me, and that's just the end of it. Uh, I mean, like mm -hmm. it's just and then he's, and then he's dead. Um, so I, I think that you know when we when we read this. Um, as surprising as it is to us, it, uh, I mean, it just would have been just, I, I think just kind of really assumed, you know, like, oh yeah, well, he's turned out to be a traitor. Well, yeah, we got to kill him then. Um, and, and, the, and the servants we see, they just, they just carry out the order. And what's, what's, what's striking actually is that his own son thinks he should dis disobey a direct order from the king. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I, we're, we're not, we're not <laughs> appreciating how much Jonathan is sticking his own neck out. Um, for for david but this is exactly what jonathan swore to do in chapter 18 mm -hmm. right i mean yes. like when, well, he, when he says that the language he uses is very yeah. particular right not not uh let not the king kill his servant but let not the king sin yeah against his servant right jonathan is is staying loyal to his oath um and he actually cares about the sin of his father, yeah. not just the action of his father. Um, I think using that sort of language um, is yeah. is purposeful. David I, I think, sinned I think against so. you. Why would you sin against him? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, and it goes back to what you're saying about uh, like me with with uh, Mikal uh, speaking to her father, and I mean, re really seeking to honor him and his vocation as his father and and when, and when jonathan talks to uh when he says you know and jonathan spoke well of david uh to saul his father i mean 
I don't, I don't know if, if that, I mean, that's part of it, but I'm really like speaking on his behalf, but the way that, I mean, he speaks to, to his father is totally respectful. I mean, like referring to him as like the king, um, yeah, you know, so like, like he's pro- yeah. yeah, it's right. Like he's like, he kind of, he's proposing this, like, you know, like he, he wants, you know, uh, Saul to, to agree to do this. He doesn't decide like, well, I'm just going to kill Saul then. Right. I mean, so he, he really is demonstrating like a very difficult kind of loyalty and vocation where yes, in chapter 18, it, in verse three, it, he swore, right. It says, you know, to, to love him as his own soul. Um, I mean, I mean, I think that's actually the, the better way to take it. It's not that like he, he like, you know, was crazy about him emotionally, but rather he, he makes a covenant to love him as his own soul and he's, and he's doing it. And he, and it's, uh, in, in the midst of conflicting, uh, you know, vocational impulses, mm-hmm. but, but he's doing that. Um, I want to talk more about, about this little moment here, this little vignette, like you were saying, but it's time for our break. Everybody hold on. We're looking at first Samuel chapter 19 here on thy strong word. Be right back. my teenage son to be thinking how to deal with life's stresses and natural changes. I want to know how to talk to him about things he'll experience as he builds relationships. I want him to know I'm there for him. I just don't know how. Here is a resource that can get you started. Connect With Me activity cards have been developed to help begin the discussions. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper Iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Open doors and loud tables, places where God does his quiet work of changing lives one dinner invitation at a time. God made room at his table for us so that we can make room at our tables for others. Dr. Jason Brogy tells how open doors and a habit of hospitality enriches both host and guest this week on the Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 19, talking about Jonathan. I mean, really, really talking about Jonathan. Jonathan has shown in many ways. Um, I, I mean, I, I think Jonathan starts off as an amazing um, Christ figure, and, and maybe he's just kind of like that the whole way through. Um, but whether he's um, willingly giving himself up to die um, back in the earlier chapter, right, where he dresses his father and says, here I am, let me die, um, or, or here, as, you know, he is actually, you know, I, I think this is what Pastor Paul, our guest here, uh, Pastor Robert Paul from Memorial Lutheran Church and School in Houston, Texas, was helping us uh, to understand that 
I, I mean, he's not singing against his father here. Um, and some of the email questions that we just got were pertaining to that. Um, if you do have a question over email, comment KFUO at KFUO.org. Uh, those, those questions were basically just along the lines of like, you know, is, so is he sinning against his father? Is he, yeah, is this, is this covenant that he made a problem because it forces him to break the fourth commandment? Or uh, does, John, does Jonathan have to die in the end because he uh, is being disloyal to his father? Well, I think we're kind of saying that he's not necessarily disloyal, but we'll talk more about that. Um, also, you can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash Espinosa. We got a we got a couple uh, questions over uh, over Facebook like that too. Uh, good question sure. about why does David being sick in verse fourteen prevent the messengers from going into the house and killing him? So yeah, just just kind of like imagining the story. Good question. Um, and then, and then uh, does Saul view Samuel as a traitorous figure at this point, but one that he can't touch? Is that why David flees to Samuel? Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I like like those questions. Kind of trying to try to put the logic of the story together. I uh, want to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support of Die Strong Word. Thank you guys. Their website, lhfmissions.org. So yeah, Pastor Paul, if maybe you could speak more uh, to this, uh, this this point here, some of those email questions about to what extent uh, Sam, uh, not Samuel, Jonathan might be disloyal or to what extent he's, he's loyal um, in, in this these moments and his actions here. Well, not to say that there's a prioritizing of the commandments, but um, when we say honor your father and your mother, right, there's, there, there are many times that a question will come up. So let's say that your parents want you to go to um, to a, a false church. Right? Yeah. Is it breaking the fourth commandment to go to a true church? Well, yeah, right. no. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's not, because by... You, you don't honor your parents by sinning. Um, yeah. So, so there, there is a way in which, um, again, the, the voiding of vocation, right? If, if your father is homicidal, like Saul is, um, participating in homicide is not keeping the fourth commandment. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, now, now, if, on the other hand, if, if there is sort of the legitimate participating in war that happens uh, in the Old Testament and in real life, right? And your father is the king, and he orders you to go to battle, and you you kill in battle. It's not breaking the Fifth Commandment. It's actually keeping right. the Fifth Commandment. Uh, now, this makes makes us all irritated because we want we want it to be black and white. Right. Yeah, right. right. Which is which is why you've got people who say, well, Christians should be if you're against abortion, you have to be against the death penalty. Um, Right. It has to be all or nothing in their terms. That's not yeah. how God's law God's law doesn't work according to our terms. Yeah. God's law works according to, to his terms. Yeah. And the the here with the fourth and fifth commandments, um, although it's certainly a seemingly you know, violation of the fourth, um, yeah. it's it's not Saul's vocation to, to murder David. And yeah. and so so there is honor uh, in protecting Saul from the sin of murdering someone else. That, that's right. And I, and I think that actually, you know, this really reminds me of um, when we when we went over Exodus, 
um, it, re it really gave me a chance to just dig deeply into the Hebrew there. And um, I, I mean, there's a different set of emphases, perhaps, when these are recounted in Deuteronomy. But um, mm -hmm. one of the things I, I noticed was that, like, on what we call the fourth commandment, um, it, it stands out because the form there is not an imperative, and neither is it a prohibitive. But, I mean, technically speaking, it's you know, what we call in Hebrew an infinitive absolute. And so one of the ways you take that is uh, something kind of like a like an adverb or something like that. So one of the ways that this can be interpreted, uh, which I think complements your point, is um, and honoring your father and your mother— um, that it you know may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. I mean, in, in the sense of, hey, your parents taught you these basic things, right? Like the first um, few commandments are maybe not necessarily something they got from their parents, right? Um, you know, in, in the context of the Exodus, uh, th this is like, sure. hey, look, this 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 is coming from God. Like this Sabbath thing, like this isn't just kind of, you know, um, the kind of the basic you know things that you get uh, just growing up. But hey, the things like don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't uh, you know slander somebody, right? These sorts of things, like you, you don't have to go to the Bible to hear that. Like this is just kind of good parenting in general. And to your point, like you're dishonoring your own parents when you act like a, I, I mean, like like a lawless person who you know mm -hmm. will, will do the, the most heinous of acts. Well, and we and we see that sort of in daily life um, when. Right, when you lie, um, you you do besmirch the name yeah. of yeah. your parents. Um, if if you're in a, especially if you're in a small town or a suburb that's you know sort of tightly yep. knit, um, it, it's pretty easy to see that lived out. That it affects your things going well with you in the land. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when you do all those things in the second table of the law. Um, generally speaking, the promise the promise is held. Yep. Things are are nice. You're viewed respect respectably by others. Right. Um, you're not the you know the troublemaker when you when you do slander and uh, hate and murder and commit adultery and all those things. It, it affects your family name. It affects your parents. Yeah. Um, it affects your community. Um, and so I I think that you know we've spent a lot of time on on this vocation bit, but it is important. Because um, there is clarity in vocation, um, which God sets up. They're not just social constructs, right? God sets up these vocations, um, and when we sin against the vocations, we are sinning against God. When we imagine different orderings uh, to suit our own needs, again, one of the sort of the morals of the soul stories, when we imagine different vocations to suit our own needs, it it does not go well. It it ends uh, and, up being... and, you, and you see and you see that I think yeah like you're like you're saying I mean you, you see that with Saul you see that with David that when mm -hmm. when they start doing these things right the, the 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 lying and the murdering and the you know taking people's wives and and all the rest of it 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 things do not go well for them in the land and that's kind of on on multiple levels both in terms of. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just their general reputation and, and life, but also uh, actually the status of the kingdom. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I think that that's a, that, that's a really, that, that's a, it's a big connection that you're helping us to connect the dots on. Um, 
you know, so I want, I want you want to have time for some of these other questions here, especially getting to the whole, the, the drama and the, the Ferris Bueller moment here. Um, but, but so, so, so putting it going a little bit ahead here, you know, so Jonathan, you know, uh, as, as we've been saying, really honors both, um, the oath, um, that he made to protect David, um, you know, which I, which I think really, uh, without belaboring it, but, uh, I mean, really, really last time we were, we're another, it's another Christ moment, right? Where Christ makes an oath to, to love us even with his own life. Um, and puts his robe around us. Big Christ moment right there, uh, where where we're David. Uh, but so he's keeping his oath, and he's honoring his father. Um, and so this everything like looks like it's it's good. Like Jonathan is like you know kind of mission accomplished there in verse seven. Uh, but but then we get verse eight, and it's like well, so war happened again. And when war happens, David gets really like his his ratings go through the roof and mm-hmm. and a harmful spirit from the lord comes now we've talked about this this harmful spirit we talked about how you know the, the word um is is not necessarily evil in in the sense of moral evil but um but you know like more like vexing or troubling or something like this but but yeah here 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 it goes again so so what's uh, what what gives right well, part of it is uh, we have to repent of dualism, mm, right? Yeah, and and actually remember that that God is the only God, uh, and God is in charge of evil insofar as He is authoritative over it. Yeah, He doesn't He doesn't create evil, um, but He but He is in charge. Uh, and I guess we can use the word sovereign, but that always makes it sounds too Calvinist for me. But um, it 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 is it is true. Um, yes, evil is not an equal to God in any sense. Right? We are not. I was teaching my faculty this morning in our faculty meeting. We're going through the Augsburg Confession. And we're talking about Manichaeism, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, we have to be very careful not to be dualists. And say that because it's easy to say good and evil, and then sort of creates them into their own yeah. entities. Um, yeah, this, is, this is, isn't like the Zoroastrian, like, well, you know, later we're going to have you know God sending the angel on his right shoulder, and right now it's the demon on his left. Like, it's, it's this, mm-hmm. is, this is not this is not that. This is this is God using um, God, you know, as sovereign. You know, we 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 can say that as Lutherans too, like you're saying. Uh, as sovereign mm-hmm. over all these things, and it, it reminds me honestly of uh, honestly more more than um, more than even the the kind of like Looney Tunes cartoons. I'm reminded of uh, just when when God hardens Pharaoh's heart because yes. it, it seems like in those moments, right? It, you know, God, yeah, is is hardening his heart. But I mean, the way I read that is he's using actually the events that are happening to harden Pharaoh's heart. I mean, he's he's putting he's putting egg on his face when when he does all these things and then pharaoh like just to save face he's like well i, I don't care i don't i don't care if the the nile's been turned to blood and all this stuff you're not going to you're not going to break me here and so i i think that this harmful i mean this is just the way i read it anyway that that, that this harmful spirit um you know that this uh, this this vexing spirit or this thorn in his side as as you might call it um is actually kind of part and parcel of um, the jealousy 
um, that Saul is feeling and, 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 the, yeah. and the, the paranoia and the popularity and, and, and the, the, the pressures politically. I, I think it's just it's part and parcel and just uh, how God's really over all these circumstances. Mm-hmm. And God permits these things to occur uh, to unbelievers and believers. Uh, right. It's important to remember um, God tempts no one. God yeah. tests uh, and he tests for the purposes of repentance. And unfortunately, uh, in the case of Saul, we don't ultimately get signs of repentance. In the case of David, to use the foil that we've been sort of uh, yeah. talking about today, right? we do get repentance. Psalm 51 is proof of, yeah. of the fact that, that the tests of David result in a faith that relies on God alone. Yeah. And not in not on David's popularity or strength or any of the things that God allows David to have. Um, Saul yeah. Saul does not repent in the face of tests, in the face of spirits, in the face of all these things. Even even when uh, the prophesying occurs, right? The, yeah. the, the spirit of the Lord is upon all of these men. They are speaking God's word, and and that the hardness of Saul gets in the way. Of, of hearing whatever they're prophesying about. Um, yeah. Well, and, and we want to, we'll need to talk about the, the, the prophesying there. That's, that's worth, yeah, more, more than a few uh, minutes to, to, to spend on there. Um, but so just kind of like turning, turning back to just this little point here. So, okay. So yes, he, he's kind of gone back into the paranoia. Uh, the Lord is, is permitting um, the, the jealousy to happen all over again. I mean, I mean, for his his purposes. Um, I mean, and, and of course, part of the purpose is right. Is that I think the Lord would would actually just prefer to have David defeat the Philistines and protect his people, <laughs> um, even mm-hmm. if even if right, it means that his son's going to be put in danger. Um, as to say, referring to David as his son. I think there's a there's a there's a Christological moment there, right? He says, "Son, go forth, save my people." And yes, it's going to put you in harm's way, but I'm going to allow it uh, for their sake. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, 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 there's something there. Um, but, but yeah, so you, you got this, and now um, is the, the, the escape with Mikal. And uh, is, I, I think it's, is, I don't know, I, I think there might be something here. This feels a lot like when, um, when Rahab lets the, the yeah. spies out of the window. Like, do, do you think there's like a, a certain um, level where where David is sort of, repeating Israel's history you think that's a deliberate move here like is there something like more than just like what actually happened but also like these events being larger than life well I mean I guess you you ask the answer you ask the question intending the yes is the answer <laughs> but, but, <laughs> well you can disagree uh, it's fine <laughs> I don't have to be right all the time <laughs> the, I just throw the, stuff uh, out there the, I I think I don't think you're wrong to see it, whether or not um, it's said this way to create that, or God permits the events to show us the theme. Yeah, right? no, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because because I mean, Paul Paul goes out a window too, um, yeah. and was rescued. Uh, so to see that um, God takes care of believers. Um, and delivers them from temporal circumstances as well as eternal circumstances um, should should be a theme that we see since God's proper work is saving. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. His proper work is salvation, is bringing about repentance for the purpose of saving. Um, it, his proper work is not vexing um, yeah. and, and, and accusing. Yeah. And so we, we do see his proper work works out on David uh, for all of the purposes that we've, we've talked about, right? God saves us, saves individual persons. Uh, God delivers through Christ, and David um, is the line of Christ. It is the promise that will be fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Um, and, and the work of, of the crucifixion and the resurrection and then that is also a New Testament reality where um, persecutions occur. The word of the gospel is not, um, right, is, is not uh, finding friends in the world, right, in our own yeah. flesh or in the person of the devil. And so salvation is necessary from temporal circumstances yeah. there, too. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that that's very fair. That like it, it could just be kind of these 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 broader themes, and um, you know, uh, and of course it's a good distinction too, right? The difference between is is God, you know, kind of like allowing the events to happen providentially, so that you know one day we would kind of like be able to meditate on these things and perhaps make these connections versus like, is God like using like uh, say uh, Samuel, who's like telling the story right now, to kind of deliberately kind of like encode that into the storytelling it that 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 is a that's i mean it's that's subtle um but it's it's it is an important Uh distinction probably too um but as much as i could just spend the next hour just talking about just that um what do you make though of the of, of the it says an image and laid it on the bed and actually the esv helpfully puts this here it says um or a household god in the footnote um i don't know if we want to like make too much out of that I don't know what 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 do you what what do you think in both in terms of of, of that so like the, that there is an image um and then in in 14 um that I don't know that uh Mikal saying he is sick seems to like just stop them like short circuit the thing so I mean like how, how do you how do you read these verses here 13 14 well um you know if there are household idols in David's house where did they come from yeah um uh, and and we already know that Saul is is certainly not perfect when it comes to the ritual commandments of the Old Testament. Yeah, um, they could be, they could be McCall's easily. Um, yeah, That's uh, true. But and then and then it has the interesting layer of God permitting God permitting the use of unsavory things for the purpose of delivering uh, believers like um, a cross. Have, yeah. Uh, like a cross, um, I was going to go to Rachel, but uh, oh well, that's that's uh, more that is more at hand, related, right? But, yes, but yeah. but yes, yeah. God, you know, make friends for yourself of unrighteous mammon. Um, yeah. there there are ways in which these are. This is a theme throughout uh, human history and certainly biblical history um, that God delivers in ways we don't uh, we don't keep household gods around so God can use them to save us. Um, <laughs> Uh, Never know when this might come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> we we actually keep them around because we think that they will save us. Um, yeah. But it's God who's doing the delivering in spite of our unbelief and our yeah. false belief. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Um, well, well, then just so um, yeah, that, I appreciate those thoughts on thirteen. What, what do you think on fourteen though? Right, that um, it's like, oh, sorry, you can't arrest him. Uh, he's sick. 
How, how does that work? <laughs> well, you could go the route of um, not wanting to be unclean. Mm-hmm. Um, so to let someone into, and I am not as well versed as I should be in purity law in the Old Testament. Um, sure. But yeah. but that would be the first place I would go is um, they, depending on the time of year uh, with regards to sacrifice. If someone's sick, you don't want to be near them. Yeah. Um, it, so so you could go that route. I mean, you also got quarantine and pandemic too soon, uh, right? So, <laughs> so so it could it could be from uh, that kind of an argument, right? He, the kind of sickness that he has is one that um, he needs to be quarantined. Uh, yeah. The Old Testament actually believed in quarantining sick people. So yeah. Um, so perhaps right? we don't we don't have all of the. Um, the details and what the word sickness. Implies. No, no, no. That, that's that, that's fair. Yeah, we we really don't have. Um, y- yeah, there's, there's a lot of blanks that we're, we're kind of filling in. Where, where my mind mm-hmm. goes, just kind of like as an idea, is that you know Saul knows that that David is extremely popular. This is in fact the problem, um, and you know anybody who, I don't know. I mean, like if you, you watch like these sorts of like. Um, you know, polit- things of political intrigue, right? Like, uh, like those sorts mm-hmm. of uh, TV shows, or I mean, any, I mean, really, just I mean, it's throughout history. It's like you, you don't just kill this most popular guy in in the night in, in the in this dark corner or something like that, because then he's like a martyr or a hero or mm-hmm. someone's inspired to revolution, right? Ju- Judah is now going to rebel against you, uh, you, you know, because you're not from Judah, you're actually from the tribe of uh, Benjamin, right? So it's like. This this is this is probably I mean I don't know just my my thought is this would not be a good idea and that what he'd want to do is drag David um, before him make a big scene out of it and, and like have some mm-hmm. kind of like you know um, kangaroo court where he brings in a bunch you of mean, false charges. You mean like What's Jesus? That? Yeah. Oh yeah, kind of like <laughs> what happened to the Lord Jesus. Yes, exactly that. Um, that that you'd want to first just destroy his reputation um, and try mm-hmm. to make some kind of legitimacy out of this. And and I think this is actually not even totally speculation because in the Psalms you get all this stuff where David's on the run or hiding and oh, he yeah. continually talks about how people are slandering him and charging him with false crimes, right? Yep. Um mm-hmm. and, and and so and I think that that lines up nicely with the idea that Saul is accusing him of treason. Um and that that's that's where he'd want to go. Um the the remarkable thing is that it's like okay, um I don't care. Bring him on his bed to my phony trial, and I'll make him like stand and hear the charges, you know, on his on this mat, right? Um, the the ruthlessness of Saul that he's just going to do this now, regardless. I, I think it ends up highlighting that. Hmm. Um, is that a question at the end? I'm sorry. You know what? You sometimes just can't tell with me. I, I should, <laughs> but but let's. Uh, it probably shouldn't be just because like we only have like maybe three minutes left here. So um, and, and there's an awful lot left in the chapter too. But that's the yeah. Way well, it's, so uh, I'm, probably you know, no, works every time. You know, it, it kind of has to work that way in some ways because it's one of those things where it's like you got to understand the first part really well yeah. to have like any hope of understanding the second part right um so let, let's see if we can do it here okay what do we make of this saul is saul among the prophets i thought that we already had the explanation for that what's the significance about saul going naked and prophesying all day before samuel well it, it depends on which way you want to go on the one <laughs> hand um 
it it can actually be the full irony, right? Yeah. Um, Saul is supposed to be God's servant, um, and and God's going to use him like a servant, even even though now he's he has totally rejected faith. Um, that uh, and and this can be irritating for us because we like things to be clearer in our minds. Right? Why? Why would God allow His Holy Spirit to work in Saul for the sake of prophecy, um, and then also withhold it? Yeah. Right. Um, be- because because Saul hardens and God hardens, that and Saul does not repent. Um, Saul doesn't even take this opportunity to say, "Oh, wow, that's what the Holy Spirit does." And and you, right? I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of same- Balaam. Yeah, well, I I think you're exactly right. And when you read it earlier, I was going to go that route too. Um, that uh, God God can speak through a variety of means, and it doesn't necessarily mean um, that the person is a believer, even though they say believing words. Right? There's the, true. the debate on Nebuchadnezzar. Does yep. he does he repent? Um, does he become a believer by the end of uh, Daniel? Um, some say yes. Some say no. Our confessions sort of speak towards it, uh, but yeah. but then the history doesn't confirm Nebuchadnezzar in any way that that route. Um, yeah. So so we get we get the the lack of clarity, but the actual clarity um, coming from yeah. how God works. Yeah. Well, or, or just think of the Lord again, going back to the trial of the Lord Jesus. Um, you know how the high priest said that Jesus was going to die for the nation of Israel. And he didn't yeah, know how totally true, true those words really were, right? I mean, so I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think to your point, it just uh, underscores it just how God's really directing all things. I mean, even his enemy, his enemies are serving his purposes, and in that way, uh, yeah, you, you see some amazing parallels uh, between Christ and then um, both David and Jonathan in their own ways. So, thank you, brother. Like a lot of really good things, um, as as always. But thanks for helping us make some of those connections. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on again. And thanks for being on, everybody. Uh, Pastor Robert Paul Memorial Lutheran Church and School, Houston, Texas. We're going on to chapter 20. Oh, I like this chapter a lot. Next week. Till then, I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. Peace. By Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.